0: itunes presents meet the author
1: hello everyone welcome along Uh, thank you very much for coming along uh, this afternoon this evening as i suppose it is now Um, This is a uh, a Meet the Author event for iTunes and uh, with us tonight we've got uh, an author who's had uh, 15 successful uh, self-development audiobooks on sale. In fact, not only are they on sale, they're doing very well indeed. They've reached the top 10 in Britain, in Ireland, in America, across Europe and the the rest of the world as well. As of today, right now, uh, the guy we're going to be speaking to tonight has seven titles in the top 30 uh, in the self-development section. His latest book is called Confidence in a Minute, and it was released this week, and it is available as an audio book too. Uh, Please welcome, if you would, Tony Wrighton. Thank you. Near not any of that. Was it nice? Uh, no. <laughs> um, but uh, everyone here has uh, basically just come to see Stephen Fry because they get a free ticket, don't they, if they come and see you first. Yeah. So I've thank you very much. I've, I've got a plan, very excited.
2: Actually. If we finish five minutes early, I think we can get right
1: at the front for Stephen
2: Fry and get the best seats. So we'll, we'll try and finish five minutes early.
1: OK, well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you on the watch. It's the only reason we're here, isn't it, for, for the guest list for Stephen Fry afterwards. That's how you got me to come along, yeah. I'm going to be honest about it. <laughs> He's my hero. (laughs) Um, Over the next hour, what we're going to do is... uh, We'll play a bit of devil's advocate and ask a a few questions, especially, you know, why people would need self-help or self-development. And uh, we'll have a bit from the book itself, because the book's come out this week, uh, and we want to hear Tony read it. Uh, We both work in sports television as well, and it might be quite interesting to explore just how top sports stars use these sort of techniques in order to either improve their performance or you know to motivate them to improve uh, their performance uh, and what sort of techniques they use, whether they're quick techniques or whether they're, you know, what processes they go through in order uh, to achieve what they want, want to achieve. And Tony's going to sort of outline that uh, for us. You know, sometimes it helps with focus, sometimes it's you know, like imagining yourself winning whatever it is that you're uh, trying to achieve. Uh, and also handily, I've also managed to acquire Tony's iTunes Celebrity Playlist, uh, which has allowed me to look at his favourite tracks. And if we do have time, and believe me, we will have time, um, (laughs) we'll be delving into that to ask him what the hell he was thinking. There's nothing more terrifying than someone judging your musical taste. So if we could gloss over that part quite quickly, that'd be brilliant. Get ready to be terrified. Um, So first of all, I mean, uh, my first question about this, because I'm not a cynic, but I'm sure there are people that that are, is, is why would someone want to have some sort of self-help book or, or some sort of self-development technique in their life? Um, I mean, the,
2: the, pro- the point is that not actually everybody does need self-help. You know, some people are just perfectly confident, perfectly relaxed, they achieve all their goals and they just don't need anything. I, mean, I remember working with this guy who, he played football for his country, he won Premier Leagues and FA Cups, and he played in the World Cup as well. And I was talking to him about sports psychology techniques. And he said to me, all that, mate, is a load of nonsense. All you need is this. Bit of heart, bit of ticker. That's all you need, a bit of ticker. And for him, that's probably right. You know, I mean, all all he ever needed, he was perfectly confident. And he never kind of doubted himself. But for a lot of the rest of us, including me, you do doubt yourself a little bit sometimes. And you need to help yourself along with a a few techniques that might help. And I think there's a bit of a problem with the word self-help sometimes. I mean... Do you, w- just a quick show of hands, actually. When you hear the word self-help, does it have certain negative connotations for you? Yeah. I'm not going to use the word self-help <laughs> anymore. <So let's laughs> because people that. do think they, they think it's a bit hippy-dippy or a bit alternative. Or maybe they think of, you know, sharp-suited business gurus on the stage with head mics. I'm quite gutted we don't have head mics today, actually. But <laughs> I asked for them and they said <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah, okay. Um, but so maybe self-help does have negative com- connotations, but essentially it's just looking after yourself. You know, people... I mean, I know people who will spend six months planning a holiday and yet they won't actually really plan their life very much.
1: I, I just wonder what's different about your stuff that you do because you know, I've seen a couple of films where you've got Tom Cruise standing on a stage with one of those mics with a naked bare chest, screaming at a load of people in the audience, getting them to chant whatever a mantra it is that he wants them to chant. And, and obviously we've seen other films where people sort of not take the mick, but sort of have a sideswipe at, at the whole genre. Um, what, is, what, is, what is different about what you do compared to, not necessarily those people, but to, to other authors who we may well have heard of?
2: Um, I suppose the first thing that I want to do is demystify self-improvement techniques. You know, exactly what we said about the likes of, you know, Tom Cruise standing on a stage and um, screaming at delegates as they walk across hot coals is not really my style. Um, and, I mean, you know, I'm, I am trained. My training is in neurolinguistic programming, and I'm a trainer of that. I mean, you know, that, there's a lot of jargon just in that name, and if you try and explain what neurolinguistic programming is, it's actually quite hard to explain. And there are techniques in it like perceptual positions and universal quantifiers. Well, my techniques that I'll talk about in the audiobook book are, are things that hopefully people can relate to a little bit more, like, you know, there's one called Disco Ball, and there's one called The Best Moment of Your Life, and there's one called Your Inner Animal. It's just, you know, I try to make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more relaxed. And the other thing that I do is make use of how quickly technology is changing. You're very proud to have your iPad in your hand, aren't you? Any excuse to bring your iPad today, you're just so delighted. This is my favorite toy,
1: and I'll use it at (laughs) every opportunity.
2: (laughs) iPads, iPhones, email, social networking. And our ancestors never had that to to help them in various different areas. And even 10 years ago, you didn't have that. And there's loads of different ways that you can use that to make a difference. And in terms of self-improvement, you can use it to help you get more confidence or to relax or to motivate yourself or to remind yourself of your goals.
1: Uh, The other thing is is with the whole genre and the use of technology, which I sort of started to embrace myself earlier today. I was sitting on the tube coming here. I was doing a bit of light reading. Uh, while I was coming, I was sitting on the tube, and I noticed that I had this book open, and it sort of points out that I do you need a shot of instant confidence and confidence in the. You know, it's got all the, the the logos on the front, highlighting that really I must be the most insecure and unconfident person <laughs> in the world. And there's all these people just looking at me on the on the tube and, and having a little bit of a giggle. And I did feel, like, you know, I was just doing a little bit of research, but at the same time, I did feel a little bit conscious. And I suppose yeah. the technology angle helps relieve that, does it? I think
2: iTunes has changed so much in terms of self-help. You know, you talk about the the stigma of actually walking into a shop and buying a book. Well, people don't have to do that anymore. And I think the self-help field has been totally changed by the fact that you can, you know, download audiobooks online. Um, you can download apps, which you know, for self-help as well. You can download e-books is just going to explode as well. It's definitely changing, and I think audiobook sales are probably doubling every year.
1: Yeah, and is that something that um, you know? you've noticed over the last uh, few years with a lot of your titles, because you have got quite a few titles, as we've already sort of alluded to, have you got ones that are more popular now than they would have been before? Do you want exact sales figures? Well, (laughs) I don't mind. You can tell us what you like. Yeah, yeah. Confidence is is the most... If you tell me you're selling a lot, then (laughs) I know that I'm going to get a good reward for sitting here promoting you, so... It's doing all right. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, confidence is is the best-selling subject, which is why it was the first written book as well. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, I mean absolutely, download sales are massively increasing, probably at the rate in which actual CD sales are dropping. I mean, you know, I shouldn't have thought that many... Who's bought a download here in the last year? Okay, and how many people... Most people, how many people have bought a CD in the last year? Okay, so about about half, yeah, yeah. So
1: it's probably changing, changing over at the moment. Okay, let's talk about this new book then, because Confidence, as you said, is the theme. Um, the premise behind it, I mean... What is it, uh, and why have you decided to do it? Because all these techniques it says here only take a minute. Yep. Why, why, why just a minute?
2: Um, the reason for it is, firstly, I felt it was like a logical conclusion to my approach to self-improvement, which is, if I'm saying people can do this quite quickly and easily, how about make it so it's really easy, and all the techniques take a minute or less? But more importantly than that, um, I felt that I've got loads of, um, non-fiction books on my shelf, and I find non-fiction really hard to read, and especially the best self-help books that I've read, pretty much I haven't read cover to cover, you know. Mm. Um, so with that, I thought I don't really expect people to read it cover to cover. You can flick in, flick out, and any page you open it out, there'll be a technique, and it'll take a minute or less. I mean, it's as simple as that. Does and if really you do work? want to read it cover to cover, that's fine. Does it really work? It really does work, Sam. I'll prove it when I read you a little bit.
1: Go on then. Show us, tell us a little bit more about it. You, uh, you know, this, this is the bit where Tony stands up and sort of goes, "Here's my book. All listen, please. Yes. So you might sort of would you like it. me to read a little? Well, bit I just, from I, it now. I, it's something that you know interests me. You, you you say you know each technique takes a minute. So yeah. You just explain to us how that, how that works. Um, do you have to do any preparation for that, or is it, you know do you have to read it first and then you can dip back into it and it's a minute? You or? can do it as you're reading it. Really? Yeah. There's. Uh,
2: it's, it's pretty simple. Everything takes a minute or less. And actually, you know, the techniques that I, I have been trained in, some of them take, you know, a week or longer to do. So it was quite a challenge um, changing them or adapting them for a minute. And some I couldn't, but most of them I could. And I'm, I'm quite pleased with that, actually, because, you know, I mean, one of the most fun things about it was doing about six months of road testing the techniques on people and seeing if they worked or not. And the ones that got good feedback I used and the ones that didn't I changed or ditched. Okay. Yeah,
1: we'll take us through one.
2: Okay. Uh, This is from the um, first chapter. And as we've been discussing, it's all about people talking about how they want to change and become more confident, but faffing about not really doing very much. And the idea is that you open the first chapter and you can really start to make changes straight away and start to achieve your goals more effectively and start to believe that you can do it as well. Daily reminders. If you're going to become more confident You want daily positive suggestions and reminders of where you're going. Because sometimes life takes over and we're simply so busy we start to get distracted. Ever heard of a 19th century French professor called Émile Coué? Nor had I. Until I started investigating the idea he came up with called affirmations. It said he cured hundreds of patients in Europe and North America by teaching them to repeat the following each morning and evening for hours at a time. Every day, in every way. I'm getting better and better. Now, this approach may well have worked very well in the 19th century, but it probably wouldn't be appropriate today to walk down the street in Camden chanting every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better, over and over again. So I decided to try and use the idea alongside modern technology. And at first, I had people trying loads of different stuff, loads of different methods of setting their affirmation, email, social networking, alarms on the phone, even subliminal messaging programs on the computer. But I found that the best answer was really simple and something that you probably use every day anyway, your email password. Most of us log in to something every day. So at a conscious level, we have to ask ourselves, what is my password? So now, using this technique, whenever you log in, you're remembering your goal at the same time. Of course, after a while, the process of remembering your password becomes almost automatic. Great. That means the process of remembering your goal also becomes automatic and unconscious. I recently told someone about this, and she started laughing. What are you laughing at? I asked her. Well, I've not had so much luck with men over the last couple of years, so my password is, all men are evil. (laughs) No wonder. So, what's your password going to be? Clearly, it needs to be really short and sweet, So pick the goal that's most important and work out how to articulate that in just a few letters. Even the process of thinking this out will help you to get closer to your goal. Soon you'll find that it becomes second nature to think about your password and your goal at the same time. You can get creative. It's whatever works for you. Here are some examples of passwords other people have used. Confidence 1, more confident already. Strong 7, me confident. Calm and confident 01, I feel good. And my favourite one was the tech support guy who wanted to feel more positive when he logged in at work every morning. He logged in with Computer Says Yes.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, by the way, my password for the last couple of months has been TopConfBook. Although now I've announced it to the iTunes Festival, I suppose I'd better go and change
1: it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How many people actually use sort of things like that? with their passwords, or, or what sort of things do people use for their passwords? Is it family names, or is it reminders, or do you have the same password for everything? What, what, what's the sort of general feeling?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be logging in. I have my iPad here, <laughs> to be fair. Does so anyone we'll do that already? Does anyone use their password to kind of motivate them or just remind them of a goal or something like that? Yeah, only since listening to you. <laughs> oh, good, excellent. Okay, so you've been listening to some of the stuff already. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine recently who, who plays fantasy football obsessively, like me, um, and he his password was patience <laughs> because he wanted to be patient and not make all his transfers at once. And actually, you know, it really works because every time he logged in, he just reminded himself not to do anything
1: rash. And, and with that password technique, I mean, what sort of impact does it have on on you? Because I, I imagine after a while, you sort of you know you've logged in you know if you're in twice, three times a day or whatever. In the end, it sort of just sort of goes over your head, doesn't it? Or does it have? And I think that's a good condition? thing
2: because then if it becomes unconscious, you're remembering it unconsciously rather than consciously. It's just about you know drilling home the fact that your goal is a certain thing. And for many people, you know, if it's more confidence you're after, um, people express their goals in the negative, which isn't very which isn't very really very good idea. You know, they say must not be nervous. You know, must not mess up my words. And actually, it's better to remind yourself of a goal in a positive way. And doing it Password, I've, I've found, has worked really well.
1: Yeah, and that's something that's in the book, isn't it? The fact that when you express a goal, you don't sit there and say, I don't want to mess this up or I yeah. don't want to uh, fail at this. It's yeah. I, will, I, am g- I am more confident in front of people or I uh, don't get flustered in front of my boss. Mm. Uh, why is that technique useful? Uh, i do a little test on you now.
2: Don't think of a blue elephant. I'm guessing that there's quite a lot of people thinking of a blue elephant. I mean, it's very hard to not think of a blue elephant. You've got to think of a blue elephant before you don't think of a blue elephant. So that's why it's best to express your goals in the positive.
1: And how does, I mean, obviously, because everyone has their own insecurities and there are situations that people are concerned with. But how does writing it down help? Because one of the big things about the book is is that, you know, you should compile a to-do list to do with your goals. Why does writing it down help you achieve them? Um, there's loads
2: of research to suggest that writing your goals down makes you far more likely to achieve them. Uh, they did some famous research, which has been quoted many times, but it's still great research, and that is at Yale University, they asked lots of people graduating to um, uh, loads of questions about their lives, how much money they made, what their goals were, whether they wrote them down. And it turned out only 3% of the graduates at Yale University that year wrote their goals down. And then, 20 years later, they came back and asked all these graduates loads of questions again. And it turned out that 3% had earned more money than the other 97% of graduates combined. And they were the ones who wrote their goals down. And obviously, you know, money isn't the only indicator of success. But that's just one example of how people writing their goals down. Um, It just seems to work. I've been doing it for years since I kind of first heard about it. And it's quite satisfying to look back over your goals that seemed really, you know, outlandish and um improbable. You know, releasing an audiobook, writing and recording fifteen audiobooks, writing a book. It didn't seem very likely ten years ago,
1: and it's all come to pass, and then you know, I'll write some more goals. So how do you get over that initial hurdle? Because, you know, for some people Writing down a goal is quite, I mean, it seems a bit stupid, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I want to be able to get the early bus to work every day. I want to get yeah. up on time, or, you know, I want to go to work at the right time, or, you know, I want to go out with Catherine Zeta Jones. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not going to write that down, are you? How do you get over that initial hurdle? Why do well, you, I mean, wh- when do you start to convince yourself that this is all actually a good idea? Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm not. That desperate to change you, if you think it's a bit stupid to write your goals down, then don't. And it might happen or it might not. I mean, I don't care. You know I mean? I'm not going to absolutely labour the point. I'm telling you that I'm pretty sure that it works, mm. writing your goals down. It's worked for loads of people. But if someone says, oh, it's a bit stupid, isn't it? Well, then they won't do it, and they might they might achieve their goals or they might not, you know?
1: So it's just about being open to it. Yeah. If you're open to the ideas, it's more likely to work. Mm. Um, obviously, being keen sportsmen ourselves... Very close to being professional, but you know, in the end <laughs> took you a know, step back. You, yeah. um, you <coughs> deal with a lot of professional sportsmen on a regular basis, and it's interesting to find out what sort of techniques that they use as well, isn't it? And there are some examples of, of, of sportsmen who use these techniques. Uh, just explain to us some examples of those, um, or ones that you've encountered.
2: I mean, sports psychology is really interesting, and all the stuff that I've trained in and I use with some other professional sportsmen um, is. By necessity, I think has to be, you know, I think it needs to be quite se- simple techniques at first because you know professional sportsmen are a suspicious bunch, and if you come in there, you know, giving it the whole Tom Cruise bearing his chest thing, I think they're just actually not going to like you very much, <laughs> and they're not really going to listen. So it needs to be simple stuff. Um, one of the things that I use a lot is um, a technique where you use the power of your memories to inspire you or feel a certain way. If you think about a time when you felt a certain way, the brain doesn't actually differentiate between real experience and imagined experience. And therefore, if you think about a time when you were on the beach and you felt really relaxed and the sun was shining and you could hear the ripple of the waves and you could feel the sun on your skin, when you start thinking about that now, actually, you start to feel that same way again. And that's really the secret of getting a professional performer to perform at his peak. So with a professional sportsman, like, for example, um, one of the people I talk about is Matthew Hoggard, the England cricketer. People listening to this in America now will be lost at this point, (laughs) won't they? Um, Matthew Hoggard was taught all these visualization techniques. And he would um, lie on his bed and visualize taking wickets and watch it really closely, see exactly what he saw, hear what he heard and feel how good it felt to take wickets, and then he'd start to do it. And then, uh, you know, by the very nature of being a professional cricketer, you go away for three or four months at a time. It's quite hard work. Um, you travel a lot, and he was in New Zealand and uh, Australia and the West Indies, and he really missed home, and one day he thought, I'm going to use these visualization techniques in a different way. So he, start, he used his visualization technique to imagine taking his dog on a walk on a really nice beach that, where they live, near where they live. And he walked the whole way. He, he saw every little landmark that he knew on that route. He took care to really notice everything about that beach, the, the distant waves. And it was quite windy. And he really enjoyed you know, his enthousi- walking his enthusiastic dog. And it, it made him feel loads better. At that point, he couldn't call home because he knew his family were in bed because it was the middle of the night back home. But by using visualization, he could make himself feel better. Another sportsman uh, that I talk about in the book is Michael Phelps, who's won more Olympic gold medals than anyone else in swimming. Um, And he listens to his iPod. I mean, you'll always see him listening to his iPod before a race. He listens to Lil Wayne. And obviously that's got really good associations. He's listened to Lil Wayne before he's competed before, and it makes him feel good in the minutes before a race.
1: Um, You mentioned the visualisation uh, thing with Matthew Hoggard. I just wondered, obviously a lot of sportsmen have got desire you know physical desirable goals can you use those techniques in a different way like the visualization technique you know if your if your goal isn't to take wickets and it's to you know impress someone in conversation or to be a little bit more confident in front of your boss or whatever it is can you use the same sort of thing or or, or is that is yeah. d- is it different techniques for those sort of situations definitely i mean the power of memory is
2: just so effective you know i mean if we take confidence because the book's about confidence I'll I'll, I'll show you a quick technique now from the book, which is, it combines the power of memory um, and finger yoga. (laughs) Has anyone heard of finger yoga? I didn't think so. It is actually um, quite an acknowledged form of yoga. If you take your thumb and your little finger and just touch them together, just so you've got that there, that is actually um, a finger yoga technique used to promote calm and confidence. Now, when I was told about that, I thought, well, you know, it feels quite nice, but I don't really feel any more calm or confident. So I combine it with the power of memory. So if you stop touching the thumb and finger together. And now think about a time when you felt really confident. It can be any time at all. If you're struggling, perhaps it was a time when you were driving somewhere and you were really confident that you knew where you were going. Or you were cooking a recipe and you were really confident that you make this recipe really well. Or anything else. So you've got a time where you're really confident. Okay. Well, think about that time now and see exactly what you saw. And make sure you make the colours really big and bright and bold. And make it really vivid pictures. Really associate with this image of how confident you felt. And now hear what you heard and turn the volume up nice and loud. Make it really loud and vivid and clear sounds. And remember how good it felt to feel this confident. Now, as you carry on thinking about how confident you were, take your thumb and little finger and start squeezing it together as you see exactly what you saw, make the colors really vivid. Hear what you heard, feel how good it felt, put yourself in the picture, totally surrounded, and feeling how good it felt to be that confident. And now release. Now, the great thing about the power of memory is when you attach it to something like that finger movement, you can do that again at any time and start to feel that confidence again. Now, the real power of it comes When you start to think about that time when you felt really confident, when you squeeze your thumb and little finger together, and then you listen to your iPod as well and listen to a song that made you feel really confident. And perhaps, if you want to go a stage further, go through your photo album and uh, find a photo of when you felt really confident or whatever else you want to feel. You know, if it's for you, the fact that you get really nervous, find a, a photo of you on the beach, really relaxed. Look at that, listen to your song, squeeze that and remember how confident you felt. And in a minute, you are starting to make quite big changes in how you feel.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you talk about some of the, the techniques that
2: you... Actually, sorry, I just meant to say, if you're listening to this um, in the car, this <laughs> podcast, I hope you weren't doing that, or at least I hope you weren't doing that and shutting your eyes at the same
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have said that beforehand, shouldn't I? No, we should have put a warning out. Mm. Um, you're Talking about, uh, you know, touching your little finger and your you can't really do that or well, that is something actually you could do yeah. rather discreetly isn't it and I wondered about how you, the way you project yourself or your body influences the way you, you act because we, you know, we've all heard a lot about body language and the way people use their body language is it easy for someone like you who've you know, studied these um, techniques to, to spot someone who's got you know, body language that gives off a certain vibe um, I suppose it is the thing is, you don't actually know how
2: someone's feeling from their body language. But because, you know, just because somebody is holding their head down like that, it doesn't mean to say that they're feeling unconfident. You know, you need to look for groups of signs at once. But, I mean, you know as well as I did, because you know, our day job is presenting sports on TV. And during the ad break, we'll be sitting back, slumped in our chair, you know, eating a packet of crisps, you know, not really that interested. And then the producer will say in your ear, five seconds to go, lads. And all of a sudden, you'll spring up into position and look really confident, put a smile on your face. And that's just the way that body language works. And you project a good image, and then you start to feel it as well. So I make the distinction in the book between projecting confidence and feeling confidence. And basically, say, if you're not necessarily feeling confident straight away, when you start to project confidence, you start to feel it as well. And other people pick up on the fact that you look more confident, depending on the
1: signs that you're giving off. There, is there a danger, though, that you can sort of look a little bit too confident or try a little bit too hard?
2: suppose so. I mean, you know, I, I do say in the book, I don't want to make confident idiots. You know, nobody's asking you to give it the Tony Soprano. But actually, I don't think... If you're true to yourself and the way that you are, I don't think that you're going to come across badly, you know. And actually, it might feel quite unnatural to uncross your arms and hold your head up and, and, you know, smile. But actually, it just does appear
1: more confident and then it'll start to help you feel more confidence as well. So it's all connected. So if you, you know, try the basics of the body language and get yourself, you know, upright and smiling and, and, and looking as if you're confident, eventually it will influence you to feel more confident. Absolutely. And then project confidence effect. and then
2: you'll start to feel more confidence as well. And when you start to feel
1: more confidence, of course, you'll project more confidence as well. Okay. Um... Let's move on to uh, the, the playlist, the iTunes celebrity playlist, because I, I do think it's important to see the kind of things that, that, that sort of get you going. Uh, I um, to this. <laughs> um, if I was quite sort of <laughs> freaked out a little bit by the idea that, uh, I mean, it's, it's quite a nice piece of music, but you weren't the kind of guy I associated with. Uh, Sonata for two pianos in D major by Mozart. <laughs> Especially when it was accompanied by Mozart. What's wrong with being a bit of Mozart? No, no, just not next to Jay Z Empire State of Mind. <laughs> it's two slightly different genres. Yeah.
2: I mean the thing is when they said would you do a celebrity playlist? I thought, okay, I'm in trouble here because I really I'm quite scared about my musical taste being judged. So I've you kind want to read of it got around, around confidence it a bit.
1: in a minute, mate, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what I did Was came up with a list of tunes that other people have used to make themselves feel a certain way. Songs that in some way have been proven to help your mental state. With with Mozart, a lot of people have said that listening to calming music or classical music before an exam helps them do the exam better. So some researchers put that to the test. They took the Mozart um, and they gave half the people some Mozart to listen to beforehand. And then the other half of students, nothing to listen to beforehand. And the students who listened to the Mozart did much better in the exam. So that's why I put it on the
1: playlist. Um, Is it the same thing as when I, before I go out on a night out and I want to have a really good time, I stick on a bit of sort of upbeat music and, you know, trying to get myself in the zone beforehand? Is 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 that sort of basically what I'm doing? Well, I suppose it is. I mean, you know, I've got...
2: One of the songs on there is um, Dizzy Rascal, Bonkers. And the fact is that, you know, when you have been sitting at work all day, hunched over your desk, looking at a screen for 10 hours, and you have to go and work out in the gym, it's quite hard to motivate yourself sometimes. And actually, music is a really good way to influence the way that you feel. So uh, Brad Pitt apparently listens to Dizzy Rascal bonkers when he's working out. It's quite like the idea of you know Brad Pitt bench pressing to a bit of bonkers.
1: So that's why it's on there. I like it as well. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got a certain image in their head now, haven't they? Um, <laughs> So, uh, were you conscious, though? I mean, because obviously, you know, as you said, you're a bit worried about people judging your music. I mean, w- were you worried about people actually finding about your, your music collection? Did you, have a, no, but did you have a lack of confidence problem with that? Because like, I've got Inglebert hum- Humperdinck on my iPad, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I must admit, I bought that CD for somebody else to take the mic because they were into me, I thought, oh, God, that's really sad. But actually, when they stuck it on, I was like, actually, that's quite good. Can I copy it? But I wouldn't want everyone to know that well not obviously if I let that cat out of the bag but do you know what i mean I, you know well, the whole were you are holding it back because you didn't want people to know the whole
2: lack of confidence thing is interesting because you know as i said before some people don't need any help they just you know they're, they're utterly relaxed totally confident completely full of self belief and it wouldn't ever occur to them to kind of get worried about something major um, in their lives, but that's not me, you know, and I don't think that's most people, hmm. and I've, I've certainly got, you know, worries, and I get nervous like everyone else. I was nervous before tonight, which is why I use some of the techniques in the book, you know, I mean... Which ones did you use tonight before you came in? I used a visualisation technique, so... And what were sat- you visualising? I was visualising us having, having a good time, and you
1: taking the mickey out of me for my musical taste. <laughs> so it works, <laughs> which is good. Do you know what? I actually tried it before... Um, I came in here tonight because I've, I've never done this before and it's not something that um, I've ever really sort of explored. But I have, in doing research for this, downloaded one of your audio books and I have had a, a read of the book. Another couple of pounds to me. <laughs> um, but um, one of the techniques, that, the technique that I tried tonight was, was was trying to imagine that it was going to be good because one of the techniques is is... Not convincing yourself that it's going to be bad, or if you're not what,
2: not what we don't want to do, we don't want to not do anything.
1: Okay, so example. (laughs) I didn't want to. I I was worried that I was going to come in here and it was all going to be a little bit intense, and I was going to to stuff up. So what I've tried to think about was, you know, it's going to be a laugh. We're going to have fun. Everyone's going to enjoy it. We're all going to clap. Then we're all going to go down to Stephen Fry and. You know, and the sooner we get to
2: Stephen <laughs> Fry, the better. The better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, we'll have a pint and it's all going to be great. And afterwards, I was, I was hearing you say to me, that was really good, mate. Thanks very much for doing that. And it did make me feel a little bit more relaxed when I came in. But it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a great day, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, you know, and that's why,
2: you know, the, the more that you practice these techniques, the better, especially in terms of visualisation. I mean, you know, the section on visualisation, the section on body language are quite... They work quite well together, and I've got a couple of audiobooks on body language as well, which is essentially just stories of how people have used body language to do stuff. But actually, by making really small changes and by imagining yourself and seeing yourself making the changes, you start to get used to it. So, for example, with body language, is there anyone here who feels their body language isn't very good? Yeah, so you don't think your body language is very good? Always, always have your arms crossed. Okay. Um, do you want to act as a little dummy for us so we could do some body language stuff on you? This is a great idea. <laughs> Aren't
1: you pleased? You have Give her a big
2: out? round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't sit down. You've got to stand up. Oh, okay. Yeah, stand up. And Sam, you stand up as well because we're going to do a bit on you as well. Oh, great. Now, do these people... Look, well, obviously, we've got to explain it for people to lis- listening to the podcast as well. Um, do these people look confident to you, ladies and gentlemen? No. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll tell you what, you hold that mic. Who doesn't think they look confident? Okay. Madam, why don't you think they look confident? Oh,
0: he's got his hands in his pockets. And it it doesn't you? imply do confidence
2: yeah, you got your hands in your pockets, Sam. You should have visualized that before we came in here tonight. <laughs> Anything else? Who, who else? Who else doesn't think they look confident? You sir over there. Hang on, I'll just run up. What do you think?
1: Uh, sort of wincing and kind of uh, fear in their eyes. This is, this is not what yeah, it's probably <laughs> around their eyes, definitely. Not yeah, it's the
2: <laughs> eyes. I mean, you know, it's um. It's pretty scary having your body language analysed, so I think we'll probably cut them some slack on that. Well, there's a few different things you can do. I mean, the first, which... It's slouching a little bit as well. Slouching, okay, well, we'll see if we can sort that out as well. Now, first, tell everybody your name. Aisha. Aisha. okay. And, I'll, I'll, you know, disclosure, I know Aisha. Good to have you on the stage. Um, first thing you can do is smile. I mean, it's a really simple thing. When you project more confidence, you start to feel it as well. And, <laughs> and listening at home, they are now beaming broadly. I'd just like to tell you about um, a little bit of research, which is really interesting because smiling um, is proven to release endorphins. The other things which release endorphins are exercise, eating curries, sex. But smiling is definitely one of them, which is quite good. And in the absence of being able to do any of those other things at the moment, we'll stick to smiling. Um, has anyone got a pen? You've got a pen, have you? Lovely. They did this research with a group of people who were asked to watch cartoons. And whilst they were watching cartoons, they were all asked to put a a pen in their mouth. And half the group were asked to hold the pen in the mouth with their teeth, like this. Ah, ah. So when you're holding a pen in your mouth with your teeth, you are able to smile quite easily. When you're holding a pen in your mouth and you're not allowed to use your teeth, you can't really smile can't smile. <laughs> so half the group were allowed to smile by using the pen in their teeth, and half the group weren't. And the group who held the pen in their teeth rated the cartoons as much funnier. Because they were smiling, they were releasing the endorphins, and therefore they found the cartoons funnier. So first thing is to smile. <laughs> <Tip one.
1: laughs> what, about, uh, what about our arms? Because, you know... Hands in pockets. Yeah. No, I was always folds her arms. What message does that send?
2: Yeah, I mean, arms is arms a fairly basic one. I mean, you know, I think most people know that it is perceived to be unconfident if you cross your arms. Even And even if people say, because were you saying you cross your arms quite a lot? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no just <laughs> speaking to the mic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not moving your arms yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. But if you, you weren't crossing your arms, you'd it. have the mic like, there, you wouldn't i kind of
0: do this, like my arms, are this. yeah. I'm always crossing my arms.
2: Okay, and do people say that you cross your arms a lot?
0: Yes. My boss does. He says, are well, you always like really bad, like really mm. bad body language. You always like your arms cross.
2: Because whether you are unconfident or not, when you cross your arms, you're projecting a lack of confidence. And, you know, it's... It's just a fact of life that if you uncross your arms and open your body up a bit, you look more confident. And another thing is head position. Um, having your head up straight, horizontally and vertically like this is perceived to be confident. And if you tilt it to one side like that, you, you tilt head. the
0: yeah, head. <laughs> yeah, I always tilt my head.
2: How, how do you mean? In what way exactly? You
0: know, when I'm, especially when I'm talking to someone, if you're talking to me, I'm just like this. I think I always perceived it as a way of seeming though I was sort of interested in what you are saying. Yeah. So not a case of confidence, but just kind of like...
2: If I I just ask people what, when you guys tilt your head a sec, so everybody can see you tilt your head. There you go. (laughs) What do you think of when you see that head tilt?
0: Um, neck problem. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) neck issues. Neck issues. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else who thinks something by watching that body language and what they might read it as? Friendly and unthreatening, exactly. So, I mean, head tilt -tilt. is perceived to be friendly and approachable and somebody who listens a lot, but it is also perceived as being submissive, which might be research that would be really helpful for you. And uh, there's there's a body language expert called Patty Wood who has done this research, and she's worked out that it is a little bit uh, similar to how wolves react to each other and react to the leader of the pack. Because when the leader of the pack comes into the pack of the wolves... All the rest of the wolves, they bare their neck like that. Which is basically saying, you're the boss. You do whatever you like. If you want, you can rip my neck to pieces because you're the boss and I'm submissive to you.
1: So that's what you're saying when you do your little tilt. Yeah.
0: Your <laughs> yeah. Bowing down to everyone. Happy yeah. to
2: rip my <laughs> neck apart. Uh, there's a couple of other things. There's one that I'll demonstrate on Sam, but not on you, Thank Aisha. You which is the alpha male handshake. Now, this is only to be used where you do actually want to get one up on somebody else. I wouldn't necessarily recommend using it on your boss. You could do. But um, the al- this is perceived to be a level handshake where each hand is horizontally level, sorry, vertically level. If I s- flip your hand over like that, your palm is facing up, mine is facing down. That is perceived as an alpha male handshake. You know, like, I hate it when you when you get introduced to people and they say... Hey, how you doing, man? Good to meet you. And they come in with a hand like that, face down. <laughs> so
0: I'd go like that. <laughs> Are you from America? Yeah.
2: Or, what to do? take my hand and just turn it level. You know, I mean, that's a good way to deal with... So if someone tries the alpha male handshake on you, and believe me, guys listening will know exactly what I mean by this. I don't know, do, do girls get involved in a bit of power handshakes or not?
0: I think we saw we don't do handshakes, do kisses, don't we, in cuddles and cuddles? When you first
2: meet someone, though, you don't kiss someone the yeah, first you time do. you meet them. No, um,
0: yeah, I don't really do handshakes. I can't tell you the last okay. time I did. it. Yeah. So it's more of a one for the guys. Yeah. I do it. but a female I'd probably I'd kiss them. But
2: so the alpha on the male, peaks,
0: obviously not the lips, but yeah. Yeah, so.
2: yeah. it
1: yeah. um, take before you start kissing on the lips?
0: Oh gosh, did. <laughs> I've been single for a while. <laughs> but the final
2: the final one which I want to tell you about. Um, is red carpet stillness, as I call it in the book, which is simply that when you're fidgeting around and itching and scratching and just moving around a lot, you are perceived to be unconfident. So when you slow it down, you move very slowly and you're very still, you're perceived to be confident. And even if you're not feeling it, you start to project it, and then you start to feel it as well. Do you think that's something that you well, I might think do. I think I've
0: scratched my eye about six times being up yes so yeah, oh you've got
2: such that. an itchy yeah. eye yeah. haven't I know, you it's terrible I,
0: just, I haven't got an itchy eye but I'm just doing this because it's like well, I'm standing here and people are looking at me what do I do I just rub my eye yeah so I guess yeah. That's, yeah.
2: Yeah. so if you imagine someone like Angeline Jolie or George Clooney on the red carpet posing for photos they're not itching their eye are they when they're getting photos taken they're just standing still confidently I mean l- that is literally you know, one of the best visualisation techniques you could do um Imagine Angelina Jolie and just stand yeah. very still. I've never seen such a still audience in all my life. <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, give her a big round of applause. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting thing about that, as he scratches his eye, it was that when I was standing there and you started talking about that, I started to think, Do you know what, I've been quite fidgety. I've got to stand still because now I'm portraying the, the uh, traits of being yeah. unconfident.
2: But it's like when you're on telly presenting, you wouldn't itch and scratch and move about, would you? Because, you know, you want to project a confidence in image even if you're not feeling it. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes you don't realise you're doing it. And maybe the first step is to become more conscious of it. You know, I mean, all these techniques work in a minute. Nobody's saying you're going to go from bag of nerves to really confident in a minute, but all of them take a, a minute. And that's all it needs to start changing. You can open the book. We can listen to an audiobook straight away and start to make changes. Yeah, it's it's a
1: lot easier, isn't it, if you've got I, I don't know someone to share it with as well. Because a lot of not being confident is the fact that you feel sort of on your own. Um, is it important that you should you know talk about this with somebody else or or share your goals with somebody else? Um, it depends. There's a lot of research to say if you share your goals with someone else, you're more likely to
2: achieve them. But I think with something like confidence, it goes back to the stigma thing. Sometimes you don't want to tell people that you're working towards something. I mean, one of the techniques I've looked at is sharing your goal on social networking sites. You know, updating your Facebook or Twitter feed with your goal. Well, I mean, you know, that's great on certain areas, but actually, with confidence, you don't always want to tell people you're working towards that. It's just something that people will keep to themselves. So, if, if you're comfortable with sharing it um, to your your friends and family and, and beyond, then that's fine. But, you know, if, if you are, I, there is research to suggest that if you tell people about it, you're more likely to do it. It's, a, it's the next step from writing it down, but not always people are comfortable with doing that.
1: Okay, we've got about five or so minutes before Stephen Fry uh, starts. you so, um, <laughs> got you're trying qu- not to sound <laughs> so excited, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been visualising all day. Um, uh, questions, some questions for Tony. Just a, a few quick questions before we, we go... Uh, off. So, people just stick your hand up and I'll come round with, with a microphone. Hold on. Hopefully it's still working. Yes, it is. Look at this. Your name?
0: Lindsay. Um, do you borrow Hello. a lot of your techniques from um, operant and classical conditioning? From? Um, like operant and classical conditioning, like a so positive association and like stimulus response units?
2: I, I've never, what was it, operatic?
0: Operant or classical conditioning. Oh, right. Okay.
2: Um, I'm not actually familiar with that. My training's in NLP, Neuro-Linguistic Programming. I'm a Master Practitioner and a Trainer in that. There may well be, sounds like they're, they're similar, but um, I don't really know much about that, so I might go and research it when I get back home, yeah. What, what have you noticed similarities
1: then?
0: Um, yeah, like uh, they did, uh, Lewis and Natal did research on like, people that were suffering with depression, and um, they found that like, if they had to rate every single day and that they did positive activities, then they were more likely to not be depressed by the end of the course.
2: My philosophy on everything is more important than anything you've trained in. Is just do what works. So if that works for a lot of people, then I would say you know whoever's interested in it, research it and do it because if it works for you, then it works. You know, do what works.
1: Okay. Next question. Thank you. Who's next? Okay, I'm going to come up here. I feel like Leslie Crowther on The Price Is Right. (laughs) Come on down. Your name?
0: It's Charlie. Hi. Hello. uh, Hi, Charlie. Um, It's do you think it's too much to generalise that everyone's the same? Because when I see someone tilting their head, I think, oh, they might be curious. Or when someone's holding their arms, they might be bored, they might be um, defensive and shy as well.
2: It's yeah. Sort of no clear cut. Uh, I do. And that's why I mentioned before about looking for groups of signs rather than individual signs. Um, and also, it's not the body language that we've been talking about, it's not quite so much about working out how other people are thinking. It's working out about how you feel when projecting to other people you know um it is a generalization but it tends to be that you know research suggests when you smile you project confidence and you feel it as well when you hold up your head up straight horizontally and vertically and when you don't itch and scratch too much but you hold yourself true those are all indicators that are gonna you know project more confidence and and make you start to feel it too but again as i said you know i mean somebody might be itching and scratching and moving about and crossing their arms and be the most confident person in the world. You you can never ultimately know. They
0: could have hay fever. Sorry? Hay fever causes scratchy
2: eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you might just have hay fever. (laughs) Yeah. Look for groups of signs at once with with body language, but that's more about how you project confidence. And if if you've got itchy eyes because of hay fever, you might need to get some eye drops, yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay, next question. Thank you.
1: Okay, this gentleman's down here.
2: This is good. We wanted uh, skeptical, didn't we, Sam? Yes. <laughs> uh, Russ. Uh, Hi, Russ. Uh, Hi. Just wondering, do you use uh, anchors in a lot of your other work? Uh, I know a bit about NLP and that was okay. a good use of Um anchors. So for people know, listening who don't know what anchors is, um, that's essentially what we were doing when we did the thing with the, the thumb and little finger. That is what is conventionally known in, in NLP terms as anchors. Um, also, when you listen to a song, that's, no, that's known as an anchor. In fact, we've got anchors all around us all the time. You know, when you go home tonight and you put a bit of music on, that might remind you of a way that you felt at a certain time. When you look at a photo of a holiday, you say, oh, didn't we have a great time when we were so relaxed there? We've got anchors all the time. And it's definitely significant in the work that I use. Yeah. And, and in the book, there's a section on, um, you know, we talked about, using the power of memories and putting your thumb and little finger together, listening to a song, and also making a little bit of a montage on your phone um, of photos that made you feel confident and just looking at that in the minute before um, going to make a presentation or something like that. And in the research for the book, I tried it out, and I I had a photo of me and my girlfriend on the beach and uh, a photo of when I was doing a sports show, and I felt great and I really enjoyed it. And looking at those things just made me feel good because they were good times. Okay, next question.
1: Hang on. Hold on, let's you get what. the microphone so, so that we can mic. hear it. Because yeah. otherwise, yeah. anyone who's listening won't be able to hear.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, does it make you feel nostalgic instead? Of like nostalgic? Yeah. If you see a picture of you looking very good, and now you you think you look bad, and you just want to give up instead of, I mean, you're not going to feel the same if you want to be like you used to be, you know?
2: Mm. I think it's, it's a question of playing around with what works. So if you look at a photo that makes you feel nostalgic and a bit depressed then don't use it, you know. Well, no, because you were feeling good at the time, of yeah. course, but now you don't yeah. know. Like. Um, or a
0: picture of you and your boyfriend and you broke up. So, Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. yeah.
2: then I wouldn't <laughs> recommend looking at a picture of you and your boyfriend. <laughs> But as I say, you know, do what works and find a picture where, wh- which does make you feel relaxed. And for you, it may not be a picture of you and your ex-boyfriend. Or you know, it may not be a picture of you when you felt a certain way and you don't feel any longer. But it might just be a picture of you relaxing in the garden with a glass of wine. And that makes you feel more relaxed. Hmm. Or something else might be a song or uh, a particular memory.
1: I remember I once got a rejection letter from a, a radio station that I was working for or hoping to work for. And they said, oh, no, you... you no one sh- of the many that one rejected One of the many you. that rejected <laughs> me, yeah, <laughs> to be fair. Um, and um, I pinned that up in front of my computer. Was that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Because that's a sort uh, of negative that was, I was hoping was going to give me positive motivation, but I don't...
2: As I said, the most important thing is do what works. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who won the Rugby League World Cup in 1973, and he did exactly the same thing. He was dropped from the team the year before, and he put up the um, article saying how he'd been dropped on his bedroom wall, and he used that as motivation every day to fire him on to doing doing well the next time. And they often say, I mean, you know, it's easy to use it in sports terms, but they often say when the opposition manager has slagged a team off, oh, he's just written his team talk. So if that works for you, that's fine. I don't think it would work for me. I'd rather a reminder of something positive Mm. and a reminder of how well I can do rather than a bad moment. It wouldn't make me feel that good to look at a letter of rejection.
1: Okay, any more questions? Anyone before we go? Okay, this gentleman here.
2: One more and then we can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Steven from us coming on soon.
2: Hi, uh, my name's Ian. Hi. Um, Ian. I'm just kind of interested in, as to what song you have. I know you, you mentioned the songs that you had uh, from other people, but what is your song choice? Top song um, choice. Sorry, top? Uh, your top song choice. Well, actually, I mean, I combine these visualization techniques with kind of chill techniques. I mean, you know, some people call it meditation. I'd just say it's a kind of five or ten minute technique where I chill. And I use songs without lyrics to do that. And the reason is if you're using, if you're kind of going into a kind of relaxed, chill, meditative state and you want to focus on something in particular, it's sometimes not a very good idea if you've got lyrics. And the example that springs to mind is Daniel Powter's Bad Day. Because you've got a bad day bad day, bad day, because you had a bad day. I mean, that's pretty negative lyrics going in, you know. So mine are uh, uh, non-lyrics music. Um, You know, chill stuff like Zero Seven and Air is, I find, very relaxing. And uh, they're both on the playlist. I mean, Air Mike Mills is something that I like to, I mean, that's literally a four or five minute track that's, you know, really nice and and would really help me to relax.
1: Okay, one more though. Did you have your hand up here? Did you have your hand up? You were looking at me as if you did. No, you did that. I just wanted to know, uh, would you consider yourself a naturally confident person or have you become confident?
2: Well, not particularly, no. I mean, that goes back to what I was saying and that's probably the motivation that I I got into the the techniques originally, you know, because I kind of, I wasn't particularly happy, you know, and I thought, actually, there's got to be something more than this. You know, I did a bit of research into NLP and I started doing a few of these courses. Um, It did occur to me, at the start of this, that you can't really walk on stage having just written a book about confidence in a minute and doing the iTunes festival and be a bag of nerves. So it did actually make me a little bit more nervous just thinking about that, you know. But um, I think everybody gets nerves. And the other thing about nerves is that it's adrenaline and you need adrenaline to to operate effectively in the situation when you need it most. I mean, if you think about some of the best moments in your life that will happen in the future, they might be... um, you know, having a baby or getting married or something like that. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of adrenaline going. You want that because you want to experience the moment. You want to be operating right at the edge of your capabilities. So I think anyone who says they don't get any nerves at all is probably lying. And I do. In your case, um, what makes you confident is success, isn't it? Like people buy your books, so
0: obviously you're going to be quite confident tonight.
2: Yeah, I suppose so. And the the more that you do something, the more confident you feel about it. If you know I mean Stephen Fry coming on the stage after us tonight, he's been on the stage hundreds of times doing something similar. So he's probably not that nervous and he probably feels pretty confident he's gonna do a good job. The first time he ever played an audience this size, he probably you know didn't feel so confident. So experience definitely helps.
1: Um and we've used the fact that Stephen Fry is coming up as you know, self deprecating <laughs> and the fact that people would rather be in front of him, whatever. We've used it, as a, well, I've tried to use it as a bit of humour over the course of the last hour or so. But there's that, us giving away, or me giving away, or you giving away, um, that actually we're not as confident all the time as maybe we should be. Is that, like a, is that like a signal? Should we be doing that? Should we just be doing what we're here to do rather than worrying about everybody else? Is that.
2: No. I mean, uh, there's, there's one chapter called Have a Laugh. And you know, that is, you know, when you're just having a bit of fun, actually, you project confidence and you start to feel it as well. And if you're really nervous about something, you know, whether it's self-deprecation or whether it's watching Little Britain on YouTube to make you laugh before you go and do something important, whatever it is, if you can laugh, that definitely makes you feel good and it helps you project more confidence as well and help you feel more confident. Yeah. And in the case of laughter, I always think if you watch someone on the stage and they're really, they're really nervous, you know, that's actually quite an, an uncomfortable experience. And if you see someone having a bit of a laugh and having a good time, that makes you know, whoever else is there feel more confident as well.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much uh, for giving us your time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Tony Wrighton's audio book, Confidence in a Minute, is out now on the <laughs> iTunes Well-remembered, <website>. Sam. <laughs> and uh, it's also available in all good bookstores too. Uh, thank you very much for coming in. Appreciate it. It was exactly. good fun, mate. Thank you very much. And cheers for coming to you guys as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for coming in.
0: This episode of Meet the Author was produced by iTunes and the Apple Store. To purchase the audiobook or listen to more episodes in the
1: series, click the link below or search for Meet the Author in the iTunes Store.